The Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. Podcast. Kia ora everyone, you're listening to the Free Speech Coalition podcast. I'm Rahira. In this episode, I'm interviewing Annie O'Brien of Speak Up for Women. Just letting you guys know, this interview is conducted over the phone, so the audio quality may not be perfect, but I hope you'll still enjoy the content. Cheers, Annie, for coming on, and thanks everyone for listening. All right, kia ora koutou. Welcome to the Free Speech Coalition podcast. I am your host for this episode, Kora Hira Taku Ingoa. Uh, some people call me Rachel, some people call me Rahira. I do not mind which one. And joining me on the line tonight, uh, for the very first time, is Annie O'Brien, uh, who is spokesperson for Speak Up for Women NZ. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Annie. It's really cool to have you on. Thank you for inviting me. It's, um, it's actually quite exciting to, to have a free speech um, podcast getting up and running. Um, I'm really excited for you guys. I reckon, yeah. Well, it's cool to um, kind of get stuck into some of these issues and be able to have a, a straight-up frank conversation about it without all the <laughs> all the stigma attached to speaking openly about your opinions. Exactly. We can leave some of the hyperbole and um, threats behind, hopefully, today. Exactly. And just, yeah. So, I mean, I just want to um, know about you and what, you stand for and what it is that you actually think and you can you can represent yourself here instead of me hearing what other people say about you and your agenda or whatever you just tell me what you're about um who's any over and, and and what is speak up for women um well i'm sure that there's been plenty of different kind of um characterizations of who i am um i certainly hear some of them myself and i'm amused or horrified by them um mm-hmm. but i'm really just a lifelong feminist. Um, I don't actually remember ever not being one. I, I didn't have, I guess, formal training because I'm, I'm not sure if there's such a thing apart from, um, you know, being born female. Um, yeah. But basically I, I, I always kind of had that instinct and um, kind of enjoyed reading and engaging in that political space. And it was about mm-hmm. uh, six years ago that... Um, I very naively tweeted something that got me in a lot of trouble. Um, so I, I was very naive to the whole transgender movement um, and, I, and I didn't really know much about it. And actually a week mm-hmm. earlier before the incident, I had um, I had tweeted saying, hey guys, like, I don't know anything about this. Does anyone want to like help me out with where I can go find something to read or you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing? And I, I got quite a hostile response to that. So I was a little bit nervous on it. But um Laverne Cox, who is a transgender actor in the oh, yeah, US. Oh, yeah, um, mm-hmm. So um, they were advocating for basically um, prisoners to be moved from male prisons to female prisons. And yep. um, this particular prisoner, Louis Morales, um, who prefers to be called uh, Cynthia China Blast, um, was wanting to be moved. I actually don't know if they've been moved or not, but... Um, uh, Louis Morales was in jail for raping and murdering a 12-year-old girl. And so I tweeted, like, I was really disappointed that Laverne Cox would want to help someone out of mm-hmm. that kind of character. Um, yep, yep. And I thought it was quite a reasonable 
thing. I didn't realise I was kicking off Will Borsberry, but um, it, it kind of kicked everything off. I got really piled on um, instantly. Oh. Um, and, it, yeah, it just kicked everything off for me because no one would tell me why um, it was wrong. It was just wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I said, but this is a horrible person who's done horrible things, um, I was told that by misgendering um, Morales and by um, saying that they shouldn't be moved into a female prison, I was actively harming other trans women. Uh, wow. And, and this and started as far back as six years ago? About that, I would say. Um, so I think I just finished university. Um, I was kind of, yeah, I was quite naive, I think, about this kind mm-hmm. of thing. And um and, and I was shocked by it. And But what it did was because no one would explain to me um, what was so bad about what I'd said. And because yep. it was such a hostile reaction, like I got um, like death threats and really revolting rape threats and stuff, which is all very, I guess, ironic. Oh, right. just, from, <laughs> yeah. just from that one exchange about that particular issue. Yeah, and because I refused um, in the first instance to capitulate and just apologise and like yep. straight away. Back like, down straight you know, away. Yep. Yeah. My bad. Um, oops, oops, I shouldn't have said please put put them put put them in there yeah. with this. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I it, yeah. Like I was supposed <laughs> to just like you know, a yeah, community totally told me no. Learn your- what steps along the way have you been from, from that first incident to you becoming spokesperson for what would you call speak up for women? A woman's advocacy group, women's rights yeah, group, just a fem- um, feminist group? Yeah, women's group, um, and um, that's kind of broad at the moment. But we're um, we're hoping to kind of um, expand on um, the work we did with the BDMRR bill um, into some other feminist spaces. So we kind of just call ourselves a women's group at this point. Um, um, so for people who don't know what the Birth, Death, Marriages and Relationships Registration Act, because I don't think everybody knows what it is or what all. I mean it's pause at the moment. Can you tell our listeners if they don't know about what happened there? Yeah, sure. Look, um, apart from this thing that we're involved with, most people wouldn't really need to know what it was about because it was a kind of benign updating bill. Um, And um, they basically tried to sneak through an amendment after um, public um, submissions had already happened. They tried to sneak through. So there'd already been public consultation about the basic stuff. And then they, yeah. okay, yeah. So um, what they snuck in was um, a sex self-ID um, amendment, which basically meant that they wanted uh, people to be able to change the legal sex on their birth certificate in a one-step process by just filling in forms and getting them um, signed by a JP. Um, and then that's that, your sex has changed. Um, and... Currently, you can change your sex on your birth certificate, but there are safeguards in place. So there's um, legal and medical safeguards. Um, And these basically prevent um, the system from being abused um, and Mm -hmm. mean that only genuine people are likely to um, attempt to change their sex on their birth certificate. Um, But what we could see happening, um, and it's being mirrored overseas, is that um, when you make it so simple... Um, it opens itself up to be abused by unsavoury characters. And um, mm-hmm. one of the criticisms we received was like, oh, well, if men want access to women's space, they just go and take it now. And that's correct. 
But mm-hmm. um, what we also know is that um, if you give any encouragement or ease of access, the stats show that the risk increases. So um, the UK have, have a lot more stats available than we do, so we use theirs quite a lot. Um, but over there they've done research and the overwhelming majority of um, sexual assaults that occur in public bathrooms and changing rooms happen in unisex spaces. Um, right. And so what you're doing by allowing people to change their sex is you're creating a, a situation where all spaces are unisex because someone only needs to say that they are um, male or female um, to have access to that space. Because people don't bring their birth certificates around um, and we're in a situation now (laughs) where people just, you know, they can self-ID and um, there's an expectation now. So this proposed legislation would remove um, the need to have any sort of medical documentation as far as physical transition, right? So, 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 I mean, I could, if I wanted to, change my birth certificate to male just because I said I felt like a male. That day. Yep. Yeah. Right. So see, you see, would okay. not need to change your appearance in any way. You would not need to, um, you know, go see a, a medical doctor or a um, psychologist to discuss your motivations for it and, and if it was a healthy mm-hmm. thing for you to be doing. Um, nothing like that. I don't need counselling or anything. Yeah. Nope. No. So one Just of the like, okay. that came up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, one question they couldn't answer, and, and it kind of illuminated how poorly thought out it all was, um, was, um, okay, so in a correction situation, so if you can fill in this form online and prisoners have access to the internet, mm-hmm. they could go online from a male prison, change their sex legally to female, to female and they would then be legally required to be moved to a female prison. Is that actually how it is in New Zealand? Is that what would happen? They let this through, yeah. They had no answer for it. They said, oh, it's it's a corrections policy. No one will do that. that." Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Um, Wow. So it was, if we had not have been there kicking up a stink and saying, Mm -hmm. what about this? What about that? Yeah, what about that? Have you thought about the regulations? Um, and and so you, you guys were just wanting to have a conversation about this, eh? Just to just to say, mm-hmm. hold up, we need to we need to iron some things out and figure out what is going to happen in that sort of situation. But yeah, but so our, our messaging the whole way, yeah, um, the, our messaging to, the whole way was basically saying, um, look, we just want to be able to sit down and talk about this. We want um, politicians to hear um, what we have to say about concerned. the risks. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and to actually have a look at some of the studies and things we have access to from overseas, which um, obviously when they're hearing from one side of the situation and they're hearing from very passionate trans activists, they're not getting anything that's going to be illuminating issues um, with the bill. They're only getting this is going to do this for trans people, this is going to be great, yeah, and oh, we no, need this so or we'll die you know, kind of yeah. thing. And the response to, to you guys sort of, illuminating those issues or trying to get a conversation going about it, just from what I observed, um, if I were to believe the rhetoric that I saw coming from the other side, if you will, your, your detractors, um, I would have I got the impression that you guys hate transgender people, um, that you, you want to deny their very existence, essentially, 
and um, mm. you know uh, are trying to oppress them and and deny them their their human rights. But what I hear when I talk to you is that you've got sort of really quite valid concerns that I think most people that I <laughs> they either don't know about this stuff or if they if you told them they'd mm. go holy well that's you know common sense that we we need to put some safeguards around mm. this. Um, yeah. But but the reaction you guys got from just wanting to talk about it. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how how it's been for you yeah. as someone who's spoken up about these issues? Well, first of all, um, I want to address the fact that we don't hate transgender people. Um, mm-hmm. We actually have some great trans allies. A lot of people don't realise that um, there are trans people who really hate the rhetoric that's coming out of these trans activists. Um, mm-hmm. And so we've got some great supporters um, from that Oh, that's group. good to know because that's who you need, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, so um, they get called true scum. So we're turfed and oh, they're true right. scum. Yeah. Right, and you guys are turfed, right. Yeah, I was going to get, I wanted yeah. to cover the, the terminology as well um, because that, that, that yeah. arose sort of close to home. Um, we had MPs here um, using mm. the word turf. Um, mm. And I used to use it, I used to think that it was just an acronym. Um, so, so, so turf, anyone who's listening doesn't know, stands for it. Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. And I always thought that's, that's right. what you guys wanted to be called. Um, or that's what, you know, <laughs> you were radical feminist and you're trans exclusionary. So I'm like, okay, that's the word. But I've, I've been told recently that it's actually um, become something different. Yeah, it's one of those weird um, evolutions in language where it did start off as a, an acronym, um, but now uh, but it just gets used. It gets used probably in a similar context um, to, to quote one of the Scottish MPs in British Parliament just a few weeks ago, um, it, it, it's similar to bitch or cunt. It's very, um, yeah. sorry, I hope that, that language is probably quite extreme. I don't know what you we were don't kind of anything say on, that on, on the, the podcast. Yeah, because um, basically uh, Scottish MP Joanna Cherry, um, she was giving a Twitter exec the third degree in British Parliament recently and um, was saying, look, you ban, you ban women for you know, misgendering people, but this word turf comes up over and over again and it's usually associated with um, violent language and quite misogynistic mm-hmm. language. Um, and she managed to get Twitter to agree that, yes, it was um, misogynistic slur um, mm-hmm. and that um, it was used in abusive context. So that was quite a good kind of um, moment for us as like globally, I guess, um, for it to be recognised in the parliament and also by something from like Twitter um, that it is abusive um, and that it's used to shut down conversation um, and it's used to demean. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a little bit similar to how everybody's a Nazi or a fascist mm-hmm. or a this or a that. Like any expression, any opinion that you express that, that deviates from, you know, certain narratives that are out there, mm-hmm. it's like, well, you must be a, a, a racist or, or a this or a that. Like if you yeah. are raising questions about this, you must be transphobic and 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 yeah. bigoted, and you hate them, and you you know it's sort of mm. there's no like okay maybe we can talk about this, um, and that's yeah. why is, I mean I'm really interested in all this stuff from a free speech perspective because in a mm. way it is sort of I mean you um, can we talk about uh, the Phantom Bill stickers thing and the posters um, just had promotional material eh, that said this is our group yeah. it had a I saw a poster that got taken down. It was um, just a girl smiling, and it said "Speak Up for Women" yeah. on it. 
Yeah, right. and that, like, there was virtually no text on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. really. The thing was, we'd preempted the fact that trans activists would try and get us in trouble somehow. So when we designed mm-hmm. the posters, we were like, right, like just a, a woman, young woman smiling, um, very basic text that shows that we're, our focus is women's rights and it's, that's the focus kind of thing. And so we kept mm-hmm. it really plain because um, we thought, like, surely they can't find anyone with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but given that we um, had been tarred as turf, um, that, that kind of didn't go to plan. So um, to give a bit of context, prior to us having anything to do with um, Phantom, another New Zealand feminist had had some posters she created um, for the anniversary of New Zealand women's suffrage. Um, so she got them put up by Phantom. So, so she got her, her posters taken down because they were deemed to be extraordinary. Yeah. And now you yeah. guys have just put up this nice girl smiling that says, um, mm. here's the name of our thing and here's our website. And nothing taken down because... So initially, um, we got the guy to check them so that I, I believe mm-hmm. he's the owner or the senior manager. We were like, right, these, these are our posters. We want to put up kind of like really making sure that he thought they were okay. No problem whatsoever. Yep. He put them mm-hmm. up and within half a day was getting phone calls from trans activists. Um, I think it was the Wellington lot. Um, mm-hmm. it's, quite, it's quite an intense um, population of trans activists in central Wellington and there was a few posters around there. Um, and yep. so he got lots of phone calls saying that we were causing literal harm and um, trans people were um, at risk of hurting themselves or other people hurting them. I'm not really sure. Um, and so we got a phone call from, or an email from the guy and I called him and I was like, Hey, um, you know, you want to take down our posters? Why? <laughs> um, and he said, because I've been told that they're transphobic Um and I kind of tried to get him Please, to tell sir. me, you know, what what about it? Mm. And I said, look, you can obviously see the poster. You've probably got a copy there with you. Tell me what part of the poster is transphobic. And he couldn't. And he mm-hmm. was, it's a dog whistle. And he was just kind of parroting the stuff that he obviously been told on the phone. Um, yeah. And then he, he, just, he said, and I know that um, this Renee Gerlich is behind it. And um, and I said, look, she's actually not part of Speak Up for Women. Um, she's got nothing to do with the group. Um, she she actually is quite um, mm. opposed to some of the stuff that we do. Um, and so um, he wouldn't believe me. Um, he was sure wow. that she was in the background, <laughs> kind of orchestrating it. Looking around behind something. you, going, so they yeah. got they got pulled down after a day. Um, and and. It, kind of says how much, uh, how strongly he felt they needed to come down, the fact that the he pressure. sent out staff to pull them all down. To go take, and that was up um, and down the country. So it was in the main centre. Oh, really? Were they, um, were they yeah. nationwide, these places? Yeah, so we had um, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, and I think Dunedin had a couple, like a few extras. Wow. Um, yeah. This is really interesting because I'm wondering what the, um, the the because this is a private company, right? So they well, they can deny you business. Interesting. Well, well, because the posters are made they're public. They're a public place, right? How do they? They don't own the spaces, do they? Or do they own the spaces where you put well, the posters? 
The problem that that we have is that yes, they are um, a private company, but you're right, they are um, on council property, and Phantom actually has agreements in place with councils to utilise those spaces. So um, we um, have a few questions for councils that say, you know, um, if they are using council space and they have an agreement with the council, um, are they allowed to be politically censoring the content of those posters? Um, That's a a bit of a process. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we got taken to the um, Advertising Standards Authority about it as well. Um, A. Penfold and R. Green complained to the to the standards authority about us um, and we got a thing straight back saying there was no grounds to proceed because there was mm. nothing transphobic about it. Um, so it was a big waste of time for them. Um, but it, it, I'm, I don't know what, it how much time about they the Yeah, well, well it, it, it says something about the, yeah, the, the I'm going to shut you down at all costs um, mm. because I don't like what I think you have to say. Because, you know, obviously the way they represent you is clearly not um, how you think of yourself because you don't hate trans Mm. people and you don't want to, I mean, deny Mm. their existence or anything. You're raising concerns. But, I mean, I'd like to ask you what what do you and your organisation see as going forward um, solutions that can kind of work for everybody because trans people obviously aren't going away. Um, and they need no. to use public bathrooms, and they need if they if they go to jail, they have to be in a prison. Um, and there's all sorts of you know things that that they they need. Um, yeah. But how does it? How do you? How, what? Yeah. What's your solution? Um, well, well, first of all, we need um, basically the the suppression of speech on the issue to to end. We need to be allowed to sit mm-hmm. down and have discussions as women oh, totally, groups yeah. and trans advocates groups and that kind of thing. Um, and then we, we see it as um, society needing to make room for these people rather right. than women ceding their space for them. So right. um, we can make room, you know, already you have most buildings have um, male, female toilet and also space for a disabled toilet. The disabled mm-hmm. toilet wasn't always there. It was legislation change that required um, public buildings and um, places of work and that kind of thing to um, make sure they had those facilities available for people who needed them. Um, we could do something similar um, in regards to um, there being a requirement that there's always a gender-neutral space as well as segregated spaces um, so that is kind of how we see it in terms of um, instead of encroaching on existing space making space for them see you're going to be called and I've seen people um, like yourself um, compared to uh, uh, people who opposed the civil rights movement in the 60s and wanted mm. um, African Americans to use separate bathrooms from from mm. white people, you know, and, and, and that kind of thing, that it's dehumanising. Mm. Um, you know, it's always, that seems to be where the um, where the argument leaps to straight away instead of, yeah, yeah actually, you know, and I wonder, um, you know, if they are able to really, because I've seen some of your sort of, well, your I read a lot about this um, stuff and people saying um, there's legit reasons um, for 
women and girls to, to not want male body people in their spaces. Um, mm. like, like, like trauma and stuff like that. People who have suffered, um, assaults and stuff and, and I just, mm-hmm. you know, don't want a male bodied person. And I, I totally get that. And I think that is so valid and I think that is so, um, worth listening mm. to. Just because I don't, I mean, I personally, I, it wouldn't bother me to um, mm. use a, a restroom that's, a, I don't care. Um, but if people mm. do, then they have a right to say so. And that's why I have taken a real interest in this whole thing, because it's like, you guys get to say what you think. Um, they don't yeah. get to rush legislation through without talking to the public about it. And if you guys want to yes. um, say, hey, we want to talk about it, then you've got every right to talk about it. Mm. Yeah, and, and you're right, it does... They they conveniently ignore the data and the and the information that's there that says these these reasons are valid to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For example, even now when when um, you know countries in the global north go into developing countries to help out, one of the first things they do to reduce violence and sexual violence against women is set up separate facilities for them for toileting right. and changing in public. It's one of the first things so I do. So there is and data you, there. You guys you guys have yeah. got data that supports yeah. <laughs> you. You, you know your stuff. Whereas I'm just like, surely yeah. people won't. Like, people are good. No one would ever, you know, <laughs> you know nefariously yeah, sneak into the woman's bathroom and like, <laughs> no, that's probably not um, the reality of the world we live in. Um, no, and, so, yeah, and it's I, not I mean, to say that those are, like, the argument that gets levelled at us is that, you know, you're saying that all trans women are, are rapists and we're not saying that yeah. because we're not actually even saying that these people who are a danger to women would be genuine trans people as they say. But the problem is they've taken away the ability for us to judge who is genuinely trans and who's not because all it takes is right, self-ID. Right, feeling, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we don't know and any creepy dude who... Um, there's plenty of them who commit crimes in bathrooms, um, now has the easiest just, well, actually, um, I mean, my I'm a woman, so. and yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was in there because yeah. I'm a woman and, and I've got every right to be there. Yeah. And is that, I mean, is that scaremongering scare on your part? People will say you're, you're making up a boogeyman that doesn't exist. Um, but there are cases like that. Yeah. Mm-mm. But have you yes. seen cases of where men have just said, yeah, I'm a woman and I'll go in there? Uh, yeah, so I, I have, um, unfortunately, a folder of news articles, which I'd be happy to share with you, um, mm-hmm. because they happen that frequently. And um, obviously, given the communities that um, I have on social media, they all kind of end up on my um, news feed. Oh, you see and, them, um, yeah, there yeah. Are, yeah, there's a lot of incidences all over the world um, and um, basically it, it, the, the narrative is, is the same, it's men encroaching on women's spaces and, and then abusing and whether or not that man is trans his ability to get into that bathroom is made easier by this lead type of legislation um, and so that's why we need to talk about how we can facilitate um, making society more friendly to trans people without making it risky. Without putting women at risk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's often, um, from what I've noticed, it it often seems to be women that are um, affected by this stuff and and that are speaking out about it. You know, it sort of seems to be Mm. 
something that impacts rather than being, you know, as in you don't hear a lot about a female to male transgender people um, wanting to use the bathroom. You know what I mean? It's never like, oh, don't mm. move that, that biologically female person into the male prison. Mm. <laughs> that doesn't lay around, doesn't happen well, a lot. There's a lot of things that play there and, and one of the key ones is socialisation and, um, and that is that um, when you're socialised female um, growing up, it is a very different experience to being socialised male. And so when a male socialised person comes into a female space, they dominate um, mm-hmm. on the whole. Um, and the reverse is true. When a female socialised person goes into a male space, they assimilate, they get on with things um, and All take right. up their space. Um, and oh. then the other thing is when it comes to prisons, there is, you know, governments can be stupid, but they're not going to put a female-bodied person in with male prisoners because they know what will happen. Right. Of course they do. Yeah. Mm. So where do, yeah. where do um, if there are, I mean, New Zealand so small, there's probably not many um, female-to-male transgender prisoners, but if there were, mm. they'd just stay where they were and probably be all good with that. (laughs) So I can imagine that as a scenario, perhaps hypothetically, if you had the choice of being in a men's prison or a women's prison, regardless of your identification, I know where I'd want to be. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And also what people um, don't um, factor in is that there's about 10,000 male prisoners in New Zealand right now and there's 700 female prisoners right now. So if you're mm -hmm. looking at, um, I guess, where there's um, a, probably a more comfortable ride. Presumably, you're going to think. I don't know if it's for, for for sure, but you know, like you're going to kind of be like, there's only 700 of them. There's probably more space. Yeah. There's probably mm-hmm. better facilities. They're not as old, and you know, you kind of think, oh, yeah. it might be yeah. a bit cushier yeah. over there. And also, you don't have to mm. deal with other stinky boys. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the cotton ceiling? Can you tell me what that is? I, I think I sort of know what it is, but for the sake of our yeah. listeners. Um. <laughs> this is this is something that gives me the rage, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm a lesbian rage, myself, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is very close to home to me. Um, the cotton ceiling refers to the piece of cotton um, in the middle of a woman's underwear that uh, basically rests against her vagina, um, and it is a metaphor for um, the ceiling that trans women cannot break through because we are cruel and horrible and will not have sex with them. Um, so basically, yeah, it's it's very I always put it metaphorically. I never had the other... <laughs> yeah. thinking about the literal cotton um, ceiling. No, I always pictured it sort of, a, you know, like the glass ceiling, you know, let's um, achieve, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, I knew the, the metaphor. Um and that's, that's sort of really quite interesting um, because, again, I don't hear of it the other way around, um, that there are many gay men saying, hold up, I, I like a certain body type um, and I don't want a female body person in my bedroom. Um, but if you guys say, I don't want a male body person in my bedroom, um, so, you again, you're transphobic or bigoted or what is the thing? Um, uh, transphobic and bigoted and the thing is when this started it was like on the internet you know you'd get it and and it was kind of like you didn't pay too much attention to it because it was was a horrible concept but it wasn't enacted but now Mm -hmm. if you ask any LGBT organisation 
you know, um, do you support lesbians, lesbian rights to um, assert their same-sex attraction? Um, they will be very awkward about it, and they'll talk about same-gender really? attraction. And, yeah, we've been totally shafted. <laughs> but isn't that homophobia? Isn't that good old-fashioned homophobia? It is. Um, and so that's why you see um, really amazing, brave women um, stepping outside of the community and going, this isn't good enough. And um, there's a movement called Get the L Out, um, which is Get the L Out of LGBT. Um, and they're really um, amazing. They've, they've been doing some protests at Pride um, events in the UK just recently. Um, some great imagery of police dragging them away from a Pride parade when, when they're lesbians. Seriously? Like the suffragettes. <laughs> How romantic. Like fighting for your rights and not... <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of amazing um, that we kind of like had these... There was these two images. One was from a London Pride, I think, last year. And one was from, uh, I think it was Swansea Pride a few weeks ago. Um, so it was like the Swansea Pride one was a lesbian being dragged away for holding a sign that said lesbians don't have penises or something like that. Um, and... It was like, um, you know, this horrible lesbian ruining pride. And then there was this image of policemen holding, like, you know, furries? Like, creepy people who, like, yeah. They yeah, yeah, I know them, yeah, with the big, yeah, anime eyes yeah. and it's a, yeah. <laughs> well, there was some furries were at this pride parade and they were dressed all in leather furry gear as dogs on their hands and knees. And the, and the police were holding their leashes and posing. And so it's like, that's okay. That, like, it's okay for police to do that. But, you know, it's, it's, lesbians can't be like, hey, we don't like dick and we don't have dicks. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to bring it to, of course, Freedom of Speech, which is why we are here on the Free Speech Coalition <laughs> podcast. Um, and just... Uh, Tell me, how does it feel, sort of, as a someone who's outspoken about these issues? Um, do you feel like you're as free and open as everybody else is to to say how you feel about these things? Oh, absolutely not. It's um, it's it seems like the one issue that really you can't speak about. Um, there seems to be space for most things to be spoken about in certain contexts, but. This, this topic gets shut down really quickly. Yeah. Um, and it, it's quite amazing. Um, and so it is scary sometimes because um, it feels a bit Orwellian, but um, you kind of just have to keep speaking and hoping that it never gets to the point, um, like some places overseas, where it's legislated against because um, that gets even scarier. Can you tell us, I'm sure you'll have an example of um, some of the stuff that's been happening in the UK with people mm -hmm. who have used similar to your own who have been investigated by the police? Uh, sure. There are a lot. They're kind of racking up. There's another one today. Um, but one of the, the best ones is um, the fact that the first person to get taken, uh, charged and taken to court was... Um, Kate Beach in regards to transphobia was actually a trans woman. So, um, oh, really? Miranda Yardley, yeah, yeah, Miranda Yardley what did um, she say? identifies as a, um, well, because 
he he refers to himself as he, so he is quite happy to be Miranda Yardley he, um, but um, yep. is a transsexual um, and is gender critical, realises that he's a he, but likes to present um, femininely mm-hmm. um, and that's just his jam. Um, and he was taken to court by um, the head of the organisation Mermaids, which is a trans group in the UK, um, so that's Susie Green, um, and she um, accused Miranda of, um, I think, misgendering someone and, and being transphobic. And it got it got thrown out, and the judge actually said, "This is ridiculous." Um, yeah. And also, it was it was great because in that case as well, um, they acknowledged that the term "turf" was derogatory. Um, but yeah, I find it quite hilarious that the first person to be actually taken to court for it was actually a trans woman. So that, that um, case was thrown out, but there have been other people, women who have been like physically mm, arrested and put in prison cells? Yeah. Yeah, so um, there was a, a young mother who got um, taken in and she was she was left in the cell for like eight hours before they even um, interviewed her and, and, and it was because of tweets. Um, she'd misgendered someone. Um, On Twitter. There was... Um, yeah, so um, there's Posey Parker who infamously put the um, billboard with the woman um, um, dictionary definition of woman up, um, and she um, has had several visits from the police, um, and she's actually still waiting to find out if they're going to charge her with anything on one of the counts. Um, it's quite unfair. She gets left hanging, um, and her life is kind of like, you know, am I actually going to be facing any charges on this or not? Um, there was Harry is a uh, um, a guy, um, and he retweeted a cheeky limerick about um, trans women, and he got um, visited by the police and told um, that he that he wasn't allowed to do it. And he actually used to be a police officer, um, and and he was he was basically like, well, which law have I broken? And and they, they couldn't tell him. Um, he's received phone calls based on tweets. I actually, there was a whole lot of us who retweeted the Limerick ourselves all over the world, kind of in solidarity mm-hmm. when he was being investigated. And I got a whole heap of um, grief from trans activists here, and they, they um, screenshot me retweeting it and have sent it to, like, I don't know who, to be honest, but trying to discredit wow. me. So, so as someone who... As someone who's outspoken about this stuff, how do you feel about the prospect of like hate speech legislation or new rules regarding what you can and can't say? Um, I'm very opposed to them. Um, I'm particularly opposed, um, well, as a blanket rule, I'm a, I'm a free speech supporter, but I'm particularly, I guess, concerned about it given that it's been fronted by um, Golrez from the Green Party. Um, she's publicly on social media, um, had a go at myself and at another woman associated with us. Um, and she's at, yeah, she, she's actually had a go at me about the, the cotton ceiling. Um, she, she called me a transphobe on Twitter for having boundaries. Um, really? Yeah. Like actually? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I'm not feeling great about her kind of being fronting the whole thing. Um, I feel like um, if they are to bring it in, they will definitely target um, transphobia as one of the, the key things there because um, 
especially in the Green Party, there's a real push for the, for that kind of part of the community. Yeah, there is, which is weird as a former Green Party supporter, as I think you, yeah. are you yourself used to... Mm-mm. It's weird, eh? <laughs> I always have been. I don't know what to do with myself now. I, I've i always voted green, and I'm so homeless. Um, and I'm kind of... I've because I, I let my membership lapse and I've tentatively joined Labour, but I'm not confident about things right now. I'm kind of like... Well, it was, it was a wall, wasn't it, from Labour who called you guys all first and said you weren't allowed at the Friday. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that was So I don't mean you're going to get um, much help from Labour, unfortunately. No. Neither am I. I'm going to let my Labour Party membership lapse, I think. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like you can't turn to, to the right. You can't turn to the left. So we're kind of a homeless it place in the to middle. the left of you, jokers to the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, mental. It's and, mental out there. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of like that there are groups forming to to, to kind of combat some of that. You know, you guys forming this um, and 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 speak up one and that kind of thing. We're all these kind of um, mixture of lefties and righties who feel a bit homeless. And I kind of feel a, a cool political um, space could open up um, with people who are, you know, they're strong about um, liberal freedoms, but um, they want to protect speech, but they also believe in, like, science and biological reality. <laughs> um, oh, I think this gets all over the spectrum for people, yeah, who believe in, um, you know, the basic fundamental right to freedom of speech and then whatever mm. else. Like, I think if you've got that as a base, like, okay, we've got the right to mm. disagree, then everything else you mm. can work that out. But first you've got to agree yeah. that we are allowed to disagree. Exactly. Um, and, and I think people need to not... Uh, it worries me how afraid people are to hear things that that might offend them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that um, it is only doing a disservice to children and young people to protect them from things they don't want to hear um, because it's not very nice or it's offensive or whatever, because it doesn't teach them how to deal with those things. It doesn't teach them how to um, be, you know, resilient human beings and how to counter that kind of speech and challenge um, with your own thoughts. Um, it, yes, it's just critical thinking. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It worries me a lot. <laughs> yeah, it worries me too. And and that is why we are here and, um that is why I'm so glad that you came on to have this chat on the Free Speech Coalition podcast, um, which is, um, yeah, really awesome. Great to just um, discuss ideas and hear a little bit about your story and your experience with the speech, uh, be it free yeah. or not so much, um, and long may it yeah. be free, and um, hopefully we can keep having uh, conversations like this. Yeah, I'd love to continue conversations. I think um, there's always kind of examples from our neck of the woods of um, speech being shut down. So, yeah, mm-hmm. anytime. Right. Well, thanks so much, Annie O'Brien from Speak Up for Women. Hey, thanks for listening to this interview. I hope it was informative and perhaps a bit entertaining. If you would like to support the Free Speech Coalition and help us make more content like this, you can head to freespeechcoalition.nz and join the cause. All right. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening. Catch you up next time. Bye.